What up, Whisper Nation? Fantasy Whispers are back, and we got our great rookie show here. We got some awesome landing spots and where we think some guys can go, as well as we touch on a little Leonard Fournette news right before the draft. All of that on this episode, number 96 already, Big Travis, of the Fantasy Whispers. Yes, we're back again. We're back again. Hey, let's pump up the volume. Right here. What's up, Whisper Nation? It's Tuesday, April 21st, and you're listening to episode 96 of the Fantasy Whispers with your host, Johnny Gametime Hicks, and me, Big Travi. If you want to follow the show, you can do so on Twitter at TF Whispers. You can also find us on YouTube and Instagram at the Fantasy Whispers, and you should definitely visit the new and improved website, thefantasywhispers.com. We have articles in our latest episodes, as well as a bunch of fresh swag over there at the site. So go check it out. Don't forget to also check us out on Patreon. You can help support this show by joining us as a patron of the Fantasy Whispers, and you'll gain access to all sorts of bonus content. So head over to Patreon.com and search the Fantasy Whispers today. Johnny, it is that time, baby. The draft is Thursday, and just in time, just in time, your boys, your favorite fantasy duo right here, the Fantasy Whispers are giving you our rookie show You've been waiting. You've got your dynasty drafts on the horizon. You've got the NFL draft right here. We're on the precipice of that bad boy. And now we've got our rookie show. We were a little inspired by an article on Reddit. So I can't wait to jump into this one, Johnny. I am so excited for this. This is like one of my favorite shows. Uh, You know, obviously we'll do a post draft show and talk about where everybody, uh, you know, where we like them, all that stuff and really start ranking these guys. But, Travis, there's just so much potential out there. And just all these guys, I start doing research, and I just start falling in love with them left and right. I'm like, how do I get all of these guys on my dynasty team? Even though I know that's not realistic because half of these guys aren't going to work out. But it's still fun, you know, watching and breaking down film, seeing what other guys are thinking about. Uh, If you saw my DMs, Whisper Nation, you would think that Johnny did think it was realistic because he is trying to get every single pick he can in our rookie draft from everybody that's available. He keeps trying to take my first round pick. He's right next to me, drafting right next to me in the in the rookie draft. And he wants that pick. And I said, no. Listen, you can't have this pick, mister. Hey, I'm just trying to do what's in the best interest of my franchise, okay? And I've got to explore all options. And that includes looking at you and your draft pick and trying to get him. So, hey. Listen, dude, I can feel your eyes on my team. I'm going to need you to stop looking at him, okay? It's hey. uh, it's getting it's getting a little hey, creepy. Tell your team to stop looking at my team, all right? How about that? <laughs> But uh, before we dive into this excellent show that we're excited about, and it's a little bit different than we've done in years past, um, let's dive into a little bit of news. Ian Rappaport uh, on April 20th, just yesterday, 5.33 a.m. on Twitter, said the Jaguars had trade talks centered around Leonard Fournette for more than a month, and they circled back with teams in the last three days. Sources say no takers yet. But it's a sign that Fournette could be headed out of Jacksonville before the 2020 season. And dare I even say on draft night, Johnny? Yeah, this is going to be wild. Like it's, you know, you're talking about it. It probably won't happen on the first night. It's probably going to be, you know, a day two or day three trade if it does happen, simply because 
you know, teams need to see what is available and weigh their options. Uh, there have been some really intriguing conversations as to which one, you know, where does he ultimately land? Uh, you know, we are doing kind of a, a landing spot, while, you know, rookie show. So I just got to throw this out there, Travis. But uh, in one form and sense of the way, it would be a little bit heartbreaking as a guy who does own several high draft picks in the rookie draft pick. But man, there's some rumors that Leonard Fournette could go to Kansas City. And mm. boy, oh boy, are you talking about uh, a guy who would be heavily uh rising up draft boards not only in redraft but also in a dynasty uh you know format that would just be spectacular however on the flip side you know you're looking at some of these rookies so i'm really looking my chops that uh, and hoping that either jt or deandre swift uh go to kansas city of course because then i can kind of get in a piece of that action uh but you're talking about a guy that could certainly rise up draft boards for sure uh, if he ends up, yeah, you know. I think the interesting point that you said there was that teams are probably going to wait till the later days, uh, not that first night. And that's because what we're seeing is with as deep as wide receiver is and some of the other positions that aren't as deep, like linemen and defense, those are being pushed up the front of the board. And so we're not seeing a lot of running backs taken until second, third, fourth, fifth rounds. Mm-hmm. And so that means that, the, you know, teams are probably going to wait to see what rookie backs are starting to come off the board and if they need to make a move for Fournette or if Jacksonville needs to make a move and get rid of him for cheap just so that they can go and go ahead and draft one of these rookie guys that they have on their board so uh, an interesting storyline I'm really excited about this draft Johnny going to be a virtual draft obviously with everything going on with COVID-19 this is going to be our first action of real live sports if you can call it live sports because it is a, a draft of players that aren't playing right now um, it's going to be really excited. I'm really excited uh, for this. Johnny, tell the viewers a little bit about what your plan is uh, on our social media. If you follow us on Instagram at the Fantasy Whispers, Johnny, and I hope myself will also jump on here as well, going to be going live quite a bit during the draft, right, John? Yeah, so I plan on being live uh, for the entire draft on Instagram as well as on YouTube. We'll be streaming it. We'll be watching it. It should be fun if I have enough bandwidth, I guess. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll make that happen, but we'll for sure be live. Hopefully, you know, we'll have big Travi on uh, throughout uh, the draft. We'll just be having fun, hanging out. Please join us. And uh, it'll be fun to have conversation with you guys. We'll be reacting to these big, you know, fantasy wide receivers or, or running backs or, or, or quarterbacks or whatever position uh, on the offense or fantasy related. Uh, we will be breaking that down and discussing that. So it should be a lot of fun. Uh, so please join us and that'll be this Thursday uh, when the draft starts we will be going live for sure I'm a I'm so jacked for that like yeah it's 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 our taste of football it's our taste of sports as a collective sports community and uh, couldn't be more jazzed on that so in time for that uh, we wanted to get you prepped for possible scenarios possible outcomes potential landing spots for these rookies Um, We were cruising around Reddit like we normally do, um, and we found an article on Razball.com, and it was written by our guy uh, AL underscore FF underscore Red Alfred, uh, I think is what he's going for there. And uh, this is on Razball. You think it's Al Alfred is his name? No, it's Alfred. Al underscore... And the FF yeah. is capitalized for fantasy football. Right. 
but then and then yeah. and it ends with Alfred. Yeah, no, it it is Alfred. It's spelled Alfred. <laughs> okay. It's spelled. It's not. It doesn't. Sure. It doesn't end. I just want to make sure we give the guy the proper. Uh, if it's Al Alfred, that's you know. Anyways, you can find this uh this article. It's called 2020 Rookie Running Back slash Wide Receiver Landing Spot Primer. And that's on football.rasball.com. Uh, and this is a great article. It was a lot of fun to read because it really compartmentalized the teams that we're gonna be looking on on this weekend by their needs at each position. So the running backs. Uh, it's got a list of teams here. And so what Johnny and I and the, and the wide receivers as well. So what Johnny and I decided to do was to split these teams up and attack them with guys that we thought would be the best landing spot. So we've got a few teams. We're going to run through these teams here, alternating our favorite landing spot. And you know what, Johnny, I was doing this this, uh, this morning, getting some, of uh, you know, uh, finaling up my notes here. And I noticed like, I don't, I don't think we have any, um, similar guys going to the same spot, which is nice because we'll get to we'll get to cover a wide variety of different guys here. So I'm excited for that. Excited for the running backs, of course, which we'll start with. But really excited for the wide receivers. That's what this draft class is going to be known for. And me and Johnny were just sitting there at the beginning of this show, going, "Man, it's kind of hard to pick guys just because there were so many gems out there." Yeah, and you just continue to fall in love with these guys you know uh, especially we're talking dynasty right and it's like oh i'd like this guy in my dynasty but then you you see another comp of another guy that you can maybe get later and so you really start weighing on those so it'll be fun i cannot wait until these guys have actual landing destinations and then you can really start breaking down you know depths of rosters and, and things like that but uh like you said these are where we think uh, their best outcome could possibly be, or these players could reach uh, their best possible. Yeah, I think game. it's not as as much about the best team or the best talent, which we will right. get into some of those situations. But this is more about the best marriage between the two. We want the best landing spot for that guy matched up with his system, and I think that's what we took into account. So, Johnny, why don't you start us off here uh, with Tampa Bay and the running backs? We're going to start with running backs, and you had tampa bay here as one of your teams and give us your best fit so i think that my there are a couple of guys that i really think could be a really nice fit here at the running back position uh in tampa bay and i think that whoever lands there is obviously going to be very fantasy relevant a lot of people are going to get very very hyped on that player whoever it is my personal opinion i would love to see deandre swift go there out of georgia running back a lot of people have them either, you know, the 1B or, or the 2 behind Jonathan Taylor coming out of this class. But you're looking at this kid, man, he is impressive. And would he fit this system perfectly well? Uh, I would say he would because he's 5'8", 212 pounds. Uh, he's a versatile running back out of the backfield, which is exactly what B.A. likes. He likes guys that are three down backs. DeAndre Swift projects as that i mean you're looking at a guy who backed up sony michelle and nick chubb in college and was still able to produce uh in his you know freshman year behind those guys even though he had so many limited touches uh in his career he rushed almost for 2900 total yards travis 6.3 yards per carry this guy is super impressive 448 4.48 40 times so he's really really fast um, you know, I cannot imagine a better fit for Tampa Bay than DeAndre Swift. And I 
I'm a little nervous for this to happen, to be honest with you, because um, it would make the decision for the 101 way more difficult, in my opinion, especially if uh, Jonathan Taylor goes to the team that you're about to talk about right here. Uh, I think it would it would really put into question as to who you should take at the 101 overall uh, draft position if DeAndre Swift goes to Tampa Bay. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things. I like that you talked about that because with Swift, you're like, if he goes to Tampa Bay, you love this fit for him. It's a great fit. I didn't so much as love this next fit with Jonathan Taylor. I have Jonathan Taylor running back out of Wisconsin going to Miami. And we did talk about at the top of the show how this would be best fits. And I only say this is best best fit because every mock draft I look at, Miami is probably swoop, swooping up Taylor, just where he falls and where they're at. And with the way running backs are projecting to go right now. Now, obviously on draft night, this could totally change. It could be blown up by next week. But I think that next week we're going to be probably talking about Jonathan Taylor um, heading over to Miami. You look at the addition of Jordan Howard, which means a receiving role is right on the table right away for Jonathan Taylor. And we know that he can catch the ball. He's he's definitely a guy that's had, had some pass catching in, in his uh, in his college career. But I think Taylor is this patient runner. He's going to be a, behind a less talented Miami line, so he's going to have to be a patient runner because he's going to have to get attacked right at the way, and he's going to have to make things happen. He's excellent um, and a, at, at the one-cut running scheme. He's a very powerful one-cut runner. Um, he also has had that lead dog role and that volume because he's hit over 200 yards 12 times at Wisconsin. So pretty impressive numbers in, you know, in bulk in one game fashion. And then he's got that track uh, star history, which means he's got the breakaway speed. Miami, if they're looking for somebody to build their running game uh, around over the next few years and really take the pressure off a young quarterback, I think Taylor's their guy. And I think this being a really good fit for them. Do you think that uh, Jordan Howard at that point with Jonathan Taylor going to, to Miami, would because Jonathan Taylor is built to be one of these big workhorse running backs, right? Like he's like an Ezekiel Elliott. That's the, the most common comp you're going to get, right? He's a very similar Ezekiel Elliott. So are you if if are you worried if you get Jonathan Taylor uh, going to Miami that Jordan Howard will steal a, a lot of those carries? Or do you think it's a very similar situation like he was in Philadelphia where he starts the season off as maybe the lead running back? And then it's just like so evident that the talent of Jonathan Taylor, just like similar to the talent Miles Sanders, really think, came through. And I think Taylor's a little more of a more complete running back than Miles Sanders was even, too. Which means I think, and you're seeing another year under uh, uh, Jordan Howard's belt, which means I think you could actually see a case where that transition would happen faster than it happened for Miles Sanders yeah. uh, with Jonathan Taylor in Miami. But that being said, I think um, you know Jordan Howard is a guy that we're going to see get the the shot to be the starter off the bat. But if Jonathan Taylor is as good as he's advertised, it won't be long before he takes over. Right. As far as if I like this better than your first one, DeAndre Swift to Tampa Bay, no way. I mean, literally almost any running back that goes to Tampa Bay, veteran or otherwise, you're going to be pretty stoked on based on what they've got going on offense. Yep. So moving on to the next team, you had Buffalo here, uh, Johnny, and you – you know, this was an interesting one for me because we obviously saw what Buffalo did last year in drafting Devin Singletary and Devin Singletary played a really significant role for them down the stretch and for fantasy teams. But talk to us a little bit about them and wanting to get a running back based on the article we read and some of the rumors out there um, and then who you who you like fitting there. 
Yeah, so this one was a little bit interesting because there's uh, there's so much up in the air right now, uh, especially in the fa- fantasy community. It's really this debate on do you sell Devin Singletary right now uh, with his before the draft because his value has an all time high. Everyone has him as a breakout superstar. Um, you know, you look at any you know before season rankings for redraft, and they're saying this guy could jump into the top ten. Now, what is really interesting is that Frank Gore and all this is projected because Frank Gore shouldn't be back with Buffalo. And then, you you know, their depth chart isn't really looking like there's going to be too many running backs to really threaten Singletary. So it's looking like Singletary could be a workhorse running back and he very well could be. But there are a lot of rumors that Buffalo kind of wants to uh, keep his workload around what he had last year because he was so efficient, kind of like an Alvin Kamara kind of situation where you know what you have. He's super efficient, very talented player. Let's not, you know, ramp up the the reps in case that that could wear him down, you know, uh, because he's not the biggest running back. Right. So uh, when you're looking at some of these guys and what potential fits uh, could go to Buffalo and make sense. You, I, I think a perfect fit, and I think a, even for fantasy, this would be great. Would be AJ Dillon out of uh, Boston College. This guy's a bruiser running back, very similar to what Frank Gore, uh, you know, did for Buffalo. Right, he's going to be uh, a guy who just lines up and is just going to get you chunk yardage. Uh, he's big, dude. His his thighs could be very, very comp to uh, Saquon, which is, like, insane to say. But this guy has tree trunks for legs. You know how to get me excited, dude. Start talking about thighs around here. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But, you know, the reason why this guy isn't talked about a little bit more is because Boston College had a terrible offensive line, Travis. So he didn't get, you know, these massive, uh, huge games like, you know, some of these other running backs did. Or he didn't even go to a pristine, like, really good, big football college. Uh, he went to Boston College. So you, But you look at what he did, his measurables, right? Over 4,000 rushing yards in his career. Uh, average 5.2 yards per carry in all three years of his career. Super impressive. Uh, runs a 4.53. Uh, you know, you, his burst score is impressive. His speed score, 97 percentile. Uh, and then this is what I love. So uh, player profiler has a, a player comp of Steven Jackson. Uh, mm-hmm. And so when you when you think about Steven Jackson, tra- uh, Travis, like. I mean, you think of a, a really good, productive running back that was just a bruiser like he was. A- yeah, I just I love this fit. This might be one of my favorite ones that you you fitted out because uh, the way Buffalo want, loves to run their offense, you got Brian Dabble as the offensive coordinator. You got a mobile quarterback. You've got a couple wide receivers on the outside, but they want to pound the snot out of you and play defense. And doing so, they they could have one of those rushing pies that you're going to get a guy like uh, you know like um, sorry AJ Dillon. Sorry, yeah. you're going to get a guy like AJ Dillon here and a guy like Devin Singletary, maybe both being valuable for you down the stretch because of the way they want to run their offense. So hats off to you there. I I really liked what he was able to do in college here and what you were able to do uh, fitting him here with Buffalo. I think that's a great fit. 
one of the other teams I was a little shocked to see on this list, but we're getting whispers, especially, you know, uh, the fact of how many running backs they brought in um, were met with. And that's Atlanta, the Atlanta Falcons. And they're, and they're looking like one of those RB needy teams. Yes, they did sign Todd Gurley. And if you saw our face off last week, which you can check out on YouTube, we also have a written version on the fantasy I had Todd Gurley facing off against Johnny, who had David Johnson. And part of us talking about that was, does Todd Gurley stand to get somebody come in and take his job because Atlanta could go ahead and draft a guy? So I had a, a task here to kind of look at what, what the news is saying, the projections are saying about Atlanta. And I got a guy out of Appalachian State, Darrington Evans. And this guy is because I picked this guy because a lot of these mocks are having Atlanta swooping up a running back later in the draft after stocking up on defense early on. And so that kind of made a lot more sense to me. That's kind of what I would see happening. So, uh, you know, I got Evans here, who I think will serve as a nice change of pace to Gurley this season with eyes on the job if he were to get injured or maybe if they moved on uh, from Todd Gurley going in the future. He had no fumbles, Johnny, on 482 carries. He's a solid outside zone runner, very patient, got great balance and 441 speed. He's a really good in the screen game, which you need to be in Atlanta because they're a pass-heavy team. He's got that ability to kind of change his speed, get sneaky out of it, catch the ball, and then break away. And so that was really what I liked the most out of Darrington Evans here from Appalachian State. I think he's a, one of those late-round guys that Atlanta could swoop up. And then, he, you know, if you're patient, you swoop him up off waivers and Gurley goes down, you could be looking at a guy that could make a significant impact in redraft leagues. And then if you're looking at him in Dynasty, Definitely worth a stash uh, the first couple years for sure. I I definitely think that he is a very interesting prospect coming out of college, Travis. Uh, one thing I do want to note is his college dominator is 31.5%, uh, which typically you look for anything above 40% is considered uh, a, a really, really excellent prospect. But even at 31.5, Travis, I've seen, you know, DeAndre Swift currently. And, of course, it, this will be adjusted once, you know, we do know where teams uh, draft these right. players and what round. But you're looking at a guy who, you know, off of that pure score, I mean, he has a better dominate college dominator right at this moment than DeAndre Swift does. So wow. uh, so it's really, really impressive. This guy, And then it's just one of those things where it's like it's it's match, right? If he gets the right pick and goes into the right situation, it may not matter if he's the best prospect, especially in redraft leagues, because some of these guys' bodies break down faster if they're not a top prospect. But in redraft leagues, if you swoop him up for his rookie, his bad, bad mama jamma rookie year, then you've got him. You know, it really doesn't matter. So that's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to marry these situations. And that one just seemed like a good fit for me if that were to happen, at least uh, in the future. Johnny, so the next one here is an interesting one as well. I mean, there were a lot of interesting teams here that met with a lot of running backs and could have the need, and you're sitting there thinking, like, this was just a muddled backfield last year, um, and this is Seattle. We're looking at Seattle here, who has, of course, Chris Carson. They've got a high draft pick spent on Rashad Penny, but who did you have them taking, and what did you see as a good fit? So, yeah, it's a little bit surprising maybe on the surface that Seattle would be thinking about taking a running back, let alone spend another high draft pick on a running back. However, with, you know, these running backs, like we talked about being pushed down a little bit in the draft, 
I do think them being able to land this player would be very, very beneficial. And that's Cam Akers out of Florida State. This guy is quickly rising to a lot of, you know, as, as far as a sleeper, um, you know, very similar to what Singletary did last year uh, before the draft. And then after the draft, how his, you know, uh, hype really spiked. I think that that same similar thing could happen if Cam Akers lands in Seattle. The reasons why they would take a running back are simply because you have Chris Carson, who is not only coming off of an injury, but is coming into his last season or last contract uh, contractual and season. Let's let's be frank. Bruiser of a runner, but runs with that violent style has always been injured. Right. So. Exactly. And a guy that is it runs very, very similarly is a, a guy like Cam Akers. Now, A.J. Dillon, originally I had. I, I did have slated here because I do think he is like a prototypical clone of of uh, of Chris uh, Carson. Chris Carson, thank you. But when you're looking at a little bit, I wanted a little bit more versatile uh, versatility when it was. I was looking at the running back position for Seattle because. I think ultimately they aren't sold on Rashad Penny. I like Rashad Penny. I liked him coming out of college. You can go and check the tape. I was really high on him. However, he's just not been able to put it together. And he had another serious injury at the end of last season, uh, which pushes him back, you know, and, and being able to really break out. So I think they're. Do you, they're so only- do you think it's fully that Penny isn't the guy that they thought? Or do you think that they think Penny is going to be more of a satellite back, more of the change of pace guy? Um, that they want to kind of spell a, a bruiser like Cam Akers or Chris Carson. And I, I think that's what I think that's the answer. I don't I I think that they would love to get a three down running back, you know, that could do it all because that would be the easiest thing to do uh, right. because they do like feeding one guy. Yeah, because those guys are just growing on trees, exactly. right? Like <laughs> right. Yeah. everybody's so, got a Christian McCaffrey in their pocket. Exactly. So I don't think, uh, you know, they're not going to go that route because right. they do see that Rashad Penny does have some, um, you know, burst in the tank. He does have what looks on film when he is healthy is impressive from time to time. But they need someone that's going to be there consistently. Cam Akers is a guy that I really like, you know, 5'10", 217. So got the, he has the body frame to really take on that load. Uh, Rush for almost 2,900 yards in college. Average five yards per carry. Uh, 44740 is what's really, really impressive, Travis. So this guy's got wheels. Especially with that size. Yeah, exactly. His player comp is Marlon Mack, a guy who doesn't catch a lot of balls out of the backfield, but can certainly get it done. You can, you know, throw very similar to Chris Carson. So I, I think that Cam Akers is very, very similar to what we saw uh, Chris Carson. He, I mean, it's not to say Cam Akers can't catch out of the backfield. He certainly can. It's just not something that he was, uh, you know, heavily relied on in college. But but I'm telling you, Cam Akers is a beast of a running back. Uh, he's I in mean, my he, top he got, five. Uh, he got 69. Yeah. Nice. Oh, yeah. Hey. Oh, hey. Yeah. So, I, I appreciate you bringing that part up because I was going to yeah. mention that. I was going to go, hey, <laughs> and then I just got so excited about explaining Cam Akers to her. No, and I and I don't mind that fit. And I think it, if somebody replaces Carson, that's going to be a valuable, valuable uh, asset to have in fantasy with Schottenheimer's offense. We know they're going to run twenty plus times a game. Who's going to be the bruiser? You've got to figure that out. We'll know a lot more obviously after the draft. So the last name on the running back needy list was Pittsburgh. Um, and that 
was one for me that kind of hit home because I'm a huge fan of James Conner's story. I drafted him in my redraft league last year, waited it out on injury, waited it out, didn't trade hey, him. Thank goodness uh, you didn't draft him on your dynasty team. Oh, my God. Yeah, tell me about it. But uh, I love his story. You know, battle cancel, cancer, come back. He's a Pittsburgh native. They love him there. But here's the thing. Uh, a lot of what's going on with this pick for Pittsburgh is lining up. And I've got them selecting Jacqueline J.K. Dobbins out of Ohio State. Um, and I think I think what happened last year with Connor going down exposed that the Steelers were not as deep at running back as they thought. You know, they kept trying trying to make these guys into something uh, behind Connor that they weren't. And I think Dobbins here is a guy that's shining bright because of the fact that he's never missed a game while playing through some of his injuries in college. He's an absolute specimen of a human being. I mean, we were going nuts at the DK Metcalf photos last year. J.K. Dobbins could rival that body. This guy is a specimen, got the beach body on lock. His 2020 is definitely going to be lit. Uh, well, I guess you can't really go to the beach right <laughs> yeah. now, but it would be it would be lit. You can imagine what it would be like. Yeah, though. <laughs> yeah exactly. He's that type of hammer, though, that co- coaches like to use when they want to just beat the crap out of a defensive line all game. And then by the end of the uh, the game, the defense is worn down and they can take over. Similar to another Pittsburgh running back of late in the day, Jerome Bettis. So you could see this kind of be. Um, you know, the guy they want, he didn't do any drills at the combine, but except for bench press where he put up 23 reps. I mean, this guy is a beast. I think he's the guy they want. He's tough. He's physical. He's big. Um, and unfortunately for James Conner, he looks to be the antithesis for their problem of him not being of, of him being James Conner, not staying healthy. And so that's why I think Pittsburgh taking J.K. Dobbins could be a good fit here. Yeah, it's uh, I'm really excited. And I think a lot of out of anybody, well, you have, you know, um, a couple of running backs that are really up in the air as far as people just really wanting to see where uh, they land before they predict, you know, what their future might look like. But I'll just say J.K. Dobbins is a guy I've been looking at because I've seen in a couple of mock drafts that the Cardinals actually were linked to uh, him in like the third round, which would be fantastic. Uh he is a, like you said, a physical specimen, and he is going to be so fun to watch in college. Uh, you know, some people do question whether he will actually be a very talented three down running back. Uh, I certainly think that he'll get there for sure. He might be a little bit slow out of the gates because there are some questions about how you can certainly use him. He he does have some hesitation when you look at his film. Well, and I could and I could see a situation like if he were to go to an Arizona. Um, it may take him a while to get on the field for right. those passing down reps because Kenyon Drake and Wait. Chase Edmonds exist already. But in the future, uh, dynasty value. Yeah. Oh my goodness, he could JK definitely Dominic. be somebody if he, if he were to go there. So yeah. that concludes our running back section. But we really are excited about the golden nugget in this draft, which is the wide receiver. Um, the wide receiver landing spots are plentiful. Uh, because there are a lot of wide receiver needing teams, which is great for this draft because there are a ton of wide receiver talented prospects that show a lot of promise and potential here. And we'll start off, Johnny, with Philadelphia, which was a team you were tasked with here. And talk to us about who you – oh, we did have a guy that we doubled up on. So this will be good. Uh, you, you'll you have Justin Jefferson here going to Philly, and I had him going somewhere else. So go ahead and tell us why you like Jefferson and Philly. So – it's not my ideal landing spot, uh, you know, for 
for Philadelphia, I would love them to, you know, to trade up and grab one of these super elite or what I consider super elite running or wide receivers coming out. However, with it being so deep, I don't see them doing that because I would love to see them land like a CD Lamb or Jerry Judy because who wouldn't? Um, so but, yeah. uh, with that said, I'm going to say the best fit and most likely is going to be Justin Jefferson, wide receiver out of LSU. Uh, you look at his, you know, physical traits, 6'1", 202 wide receiver, but he is a possession wide receiver, which is what I really like and why I think it's a good fit for Philadelphia. You look at Carson Wentz needing a number one wide receiver that he can just go to and just get uh, yak, you know, yards after the catch. He doesn't really have that. He has Alshon Jeffrey, which is this big body guy who can get him the first downs. He can get him, you know, go up and get it. Um, but right now they're using Zach Ertz as that guy to get mm. their yak. They don't have another wide. JJ Arcega Whiteside was a huge. Sorry, JJ Arcega Whiteside. Yeah, uh, nice. Was, yeah, uh, ended up being kind of a bust there. So they're going to need to get another guy. This guy's a four five three forty. Travis. Uh, one thing that I do like about Justin Jefferson, right? He is not a true alpha number one wide receiver. And I don't think that when you, when they, if they take him uh, and even in dynasty or, or redraft leagues, you're not going to draft him as being that number one wide receiver. He could target market share, be that for, uh, for him uh, and, and for Carson Wentz, but he is more of a wide receiver to complimentary piece. I, I see him more as like a Golden Tate. I see him more as, you know, like that Julian Edelman type of player. Possession. Exactly. Possession guy, yeah, so, chain mover. Exactly. That's uh, what I project him to be. So as you can see, if you're, li- you know, if you're listening to this, both of those guys were super fantasy relevant. We love both of those guys. And so I'm not saying by Justin Jefferson not being a true alpha number one wide receiver, it's a bad thing. Like, it's a really good thing, especially if he goes to a team like Philadelphia who truly needs that guy. I mean, they've been looking for it for we- or for years. They traded for Yeah, I think, Tate. Johnny, your player comp for him is Reggie Wayne, right? And yeah, so, yeah. and so, yeah. like, you've, you've, you've got your fantasy comp of, of Edelman and of uh, Golden Tate. You've got your player comp for the draft of Reggie Wayne. I've got a player comp of Greg Jennings. All of these guys are fantasy relevant. All of these guys uh, made an impact early on in their careers, and I think that's the key here. I love what you said here about him maybe not being a number one wide receiver right out the gate. So for dynasty purposes, you love a fit like Philadelphia, but I also love a fit like Minnesota, which is the one I've I've got him at here too because they just traded Diggs away, right? And you're looking at Joe Burrow's favorite target from LSU last year. Led uh, the led the was. I'm sorry, got, got some spit there. Yeah, you got uh, so excited about tied, it. Dude. Tied the FBS lead in receptions with 111. Just I mean, that's how exciting that, that, yeah, that stat. I just, honestly, I just think he's such a per- 1,540 yards last year in thir- or in 15 starts, 13.9 yards per catch. Talked about the Greg Jennings comp. I think he's got great instincts, quick hands, which is great for over the middle and and stabbing that ball out of the air, which I think will be great for Kirk Cousins. Got the 4-4 speed we talked about. Big playability there, so you can replace some of what Diggs took away with him. So you've got Thielen, you've got the new Diggs and Justin Jefferson. 
I think this is exactly what you need for Kirk Cousins to get him still the weapons under smaller contracts, not as loud in the locker room. And this guy's not afraid to block as a wide receiver, which will be huge for Kubiak's zone running offense. Minnesota's got the two picks in the first round, so they can take their defensive guy, and then they can also take a wide receiver. And you see Jefferson kind of creeping around the, the late first round of 20. 20 to 25 spot and i think this could be a good fit for minnesota in a big way i i, I really do like this fit i think it, it, it bodes well i think justin jefferson is a guy that is going to be very very interesting for sure because he can fit in so many offenses like yeah. he is really yeah. versatile like and, and it goes back to what you said about him not needing to be the number one guy right off the bat yeah. and still becoming relevant within the offense and then hopefully within fantasy mm-hmm. and i think that's a key there All right, so, Johnny, we're going to talk about Las Vegas next here, the Las Vegas Raiders. No more Oakland. They're already in over at Vegas. Oh, man. Nobody nobody else will be in Las Vegas, but the Raiders will probably be there, unfortunately. Uh, That's the only situation. But uh, the the Vegas Raiders are are maybe a team looking at one of the potential big three wide receivers. And, Johnny, which guy do you have them landing in our potential here? So it's kind of no surprise here. Uh, my Mike Mayock has already come out and said how much he is in love with C.D. Lamb. Uh, I think that this is a very, very nice fit. Now, there are multiple teams uh, that I do think could land C.D. Lamb, and it, it would be very realistic, and, and he would be very, very productive in almost all of those landing spots. I think that C.D. Lamb is going to be so good. He's going to be... This could honestly be between Jerry Judy and C.D. Lamb, Travis. This could be like a few years ago when it was A.J. Green and Julio Jones coming out of college and you're getting these two guys that were both highly pro- high prospects. Uh, you know, they won't go as high in the draft because the like we've said a million times on the show already, the wide receiver depth is so deep here. Uh, but man, CD Lamb is a prospect that I literally you were drooling about Justin Jefferson uh, just a few seconds ago. <laughs> CD Lamb is the guy that I just absolutely drool over. Six two, one one hundred ninety eight pounds. Uh, he's played with. Imagine this in his college career, Travis. He has played with Baker Mayfield. He has played with Kyler Murray, and he has played with Jalen Hurts. All three guys are going to be uh, NFL starting quarterbacks at some talk about being prepared for the nfl Seriously. and then you're gonna then you gotta go and give them Derek carr Ugh. <laughs> right but hey i will say that Derek carr has uh one of the nicest deep balls in the league so um you know that'll be nice he ne- Derek carr needs a number one wide receiver who knows what Derek carr could have been last year if if he had a- antonio brown like you know realistically we don't know, but all I all I know is that you know Darren Waller is was a, a spectacular fantasy player, and he was the only target in town that was consistent. You give him Ceedee Lamb, who is just literally flashing off the page as a stud wide receiver. His catch rate in 2019 was 66 percent. Uh, Travis, his high though was with Kyler Murray was 80 percent uh, two years ago, which is really really interesting. Um, you know how you have like the two different you know drastic catch rates there. Yeah, yeah, but you look at his target market share all three years in Oklahoma went up, went from 15 percent to 19 percent to 24 percent. That's Wide receiver one numbers, so we yeah. we know that he can do it. He broke out uh, in in 2018, so this guy 
is absolutely phenomenal. He's going to be so fun to watch. And I think a perfect place is the Las Vegas Raiders. I just think he fits the mentality. He's got that. Well, and, and they've just, they, they seem to be hungry for a replacement for Antonio Brown. Like they were so excited for Antonio Brown minus, to be minus there. Minus like the, the psycho. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Stuff. No, but I, what I mean is they were trying to unveil this hot rod last year of an offense. Yeah. Uh, you know, that was powered by Antonio Brown. It had Darren Waller in it. You had some other pieces that could go deep. And now I think they're just hungry to replace that in, you know, in this first couple years with Gruden back at the helm. So, yeah, I could definitely see them taking CeeDee Lamb. You're already hearing about it in the news. Uh, it could definitely be the situation. And there's definitely uh, a possibility, too, that Jalen Hurts, this isn't, we're not going to talk about quarterbacks, Travis, on the show, but there is a possibility that Jalen Hurts actually gets drafted by uh, the, oh, the Las Vegas Raiders as well. So can you imagine that? He's got his rapport already with his college quarterback. Hey well, speaking of college quarterback to college wide receiver, uh, I'm I got the Jets next, right? And I really liked Michael Pittman Sam, Jr. Sam going Donald there, going to Sam, wide receiver. Sam Donald no, is going no, to wide receiver. No, is that what you're saying? I mean, Pitt, Pittman went to USC. You know where Sam Darnold went? He went to USC as well. I really like Michael Pittman going to the Jets here. I think it would be a really good, uh, a really good addition for them. And it just you know you talk about the prospect first. Big body, talented, very clever wide receiver, six foot four, 223 uh, pounds, four five speed. He was a Bolitnikoff finalist in his senior year. He had 101 receptions, over 1,200 yards. He had a 12.6 average, 11 scores, Johnny, in 13 games. This guy has a nose for the end zone. You talk, I talked a little bit about that USC QB to wide receiver storyline, but I'm more excited actually for the fit with Gase. Yeah, I know. I, I said it with Adam Gase, and that's because that Adam Gase is the Gase's... first time ever on this show <laughs> that we will ever say I that. know. I know, because I think that the We're Adam Gase... unfollowed, fit... dude. We're getting unfollowed. Yeah. Hey, stick with me. Don't, don't click the unfollow just yet. Adam Gase has had a track record with some solid wide receiver play. He had Brandon Marshall for a time in Chicago. He had Demarius time, Thomas for a time in Denver. These are similar body types to Michael Pittman. Their play styles are similar to Michael Pittman, possession wide receivers. And I think if you're building Sam Darnold to be your next Peyton Manning or even a, 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 a better Jay, Jay Cutler, <laughs> a better Jay Cutler, then you want that big body wide receiver to kind of throw down the field at and to move the chains. And I think Pittman is that guy. And I, I would actually be really excited for dynasty at the very least, but even redraft leagues this year um, in the back half of this year, I think Pittman could make a splash on the jets. I love this pick. And what's really, really funny, Travis is uh, in my personal player comp uh, that I've been doing for our own dynasty rundown, my player comp, for Pittman, I kid you not, is Robbie Anderson. So oh, wow. it's funny that you have that. And I didn't even think about Pittman going to uh, the Jets until you brought it up here. But I actually I love this because it does instantly put him in the conversation of, yes, is he going to be fantasy relevant this year? Now, rookie wide receivers generally don't have that. But like you said, they went to the same college. Uh, I don't know. Um, it is interesting. I'm not sure how much they playing time. They, they uh, don't have I don't any. think. Yeah, I don't yeah. think they have any together. But um, 
But you still look at what he can do, you know, yards after the catch kind of thing. Uh, this guy is an awesome wide receiver. I am really excited about where he's going to go. He is certainly a guy that is uh, jumping up draft boards for sure as more and more information comes out about him. Uh, I'm hearing a lot more whispers that teams really do love him, and uh, I'm excited where he lands. I'm, I'm excited to see where he goes. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a good one. Pittman, like you said, regardless of landing spot, you're going to be really excited. Yeah. Uh, speaking of landing spot, Emmanuel Sanders did find a new landing spot with the New Orleans Saints, but they still find the Saints, even with Michael Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, Jared Cook, they still find themselves as maybe needing another threat. And so that lines them on our list here. And so, Johnny, who did you pick for New Orleans to land? Because I think we have we both have Denzel Mims going somewhere. Uh, you got him Not going to New same. Orleans here. Yeah, I got him to go into New Orleans. I think this is an absolute beautiful fit here. Gives Stencil Mims the opportunity to continue to grow as a wide receiver behind Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. You, he is super fast. He's six three two zero seven. Ran a four three eight forty. That is super fast, you guys. Um, he, you look at his burst score, ninetieth percentile. Speed score, ninety sixth percentile. This guy's an absolute stud. You look at the target market share that this guy owned when playing for Baylor, 25%, 16.9%, and 24%. He's used to being that alpha dog. A lot of people really, really like Denzel Mims, and he's rising up draft boards quite quickly just because he hasn't hit his true potential here. Mm. But he, yeah. you look at what he does on film, and he's he's pulling moves that veteran wide receivers move. You know, they they do in the NFL, and he looks great. He knows how to position his body. The question is, is he going to continue to develop? And 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 that's what the hope is. Uh, so if he goes to New Orleans, I think that it gives him the opportunity to run that deep route. They need that guy, the the second wide receiver. You know, Emmanuel Sanders is getting older. He's coming off injury. I understand he, he still produced last year. I love Emmanuel Sanders, but mm. what a better wide receiver to usher in after Emmanuel Sanders. And, you know, as Michael Thomas is really, truly entering the prime of his career to then say, hey, I got Denzel Mims as well who is super fast. Yeah, like imagine being in that wide receiver room. Like you're a raw wide receiver and you get to be with Michael Thomas, who maybe is the best possession receiver we've ever seen at this point. Now he's he, like he's really getting up there as far as breaking records. And then you've got Emmanuel Sanders, who's another big play guy um, who's been a, a consummate pro in this league and has caught for Drew Brees and, and Peyton Manning and Big Ben. So like you're talking about a guy that is just – going to be loaded with talent around him i love denzel mims i love i would love this fit um but i've got him going to another fit i love and this one's near and dear to my heart the green bay packers i also do and like I, this one yeah and so what i've been seeing now is i mean i saw some really like i'm not even trying to read this article but i saw an article <laughs> yeah. i wasn't Jerry. trying to read it every uh, officer but, i wasn't you know trying it was to it was the, the clickbait officer. dude it was the clickbait it's like <laughs> Officer, this, this, I was not trying to take the drugs. Uh, no, they dude. just, they just. This, went in this damn article had me drinking Kool Aid. It said Jerry Judy. The Packers would trade up to get Jerry Judy, and I was like, get out of here with that. But anyways, um, I have been seeing that Denzel Mims is going to be available a little bit later when the Packers are probably going to be okay to look at um, wide receiver because I don't think they'll take one in the first round. Um, but maybe they do. Maybe they take one at 30 and maybe it's Mims. And Mims is a guy uh, that I think they desperately need in the Packers offense. We talk about what he was able to do at Baylor 
the Packers need another playmaker. Johnny talked about his speed. His size, though, is impressive for that speed. 6'3 and 207. Um, he's very talented. I mean, just got all the tools for the big plays. He's a great ball tracker. He's got a, ba- a great above-the-rim uh, technique. He's a 50-50 ball guy. I think with Adams continuing to be the main threat in this offense, you see Mims, like Johnny said, going deep, you know, running it and being that punch. These defenses aren't going to be able to just hone in on Mims because they're going to be so infatuated with Devontae Adams. Mims could sneak out and continuously be a touchdown magnet for this offense. 10.3, Travis, 10.3 catch radius, 10.34. That radius is insane. I mean, if you looked, look, Part of our job here to to do this show for you guys is, you know, Whisper Nation, we go and we look at the film for these guys. We look at highlights. We look at some of the film. We break it down. Mims, to me, was the second most exciting film I watched of all the film I watched. And we'll talk about the guy uh, that I'm really excited about. only watched two next. things of film, but it, he was the second <laughs> But he was the second excited. most. <laughs> That's for sure. No, uh, listen, the film is littered with back shoulder throws and there is maybe nobody that loves loves to throw the back shoulder more than uh Aaron Rodgers and yeah. I think this could be uh just a match made in heaven another For one reasons even not even, just I would even throw out I mean Mims is a guy that could truly land in a lot of places and you would be super excited for it like even if you're Houston if Houston, you're yeah. talking about a back big shoulder, time. Like, big time, big time. Uh, look who just left was a huge back well, shoulder look at guy. Will, like, you have Will Fuller, Kenny Stills, and Mims on offense. Like that is unreal, dude. That speed is like and Brandon Cooks. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's like it's like all of a sudden you, you know, can't guard them all, dude. You can't. So I, you know, there are a lot of interesting. Denzel Mims is a guy that will be for sure looked at by many people in the industry and seeing where his actual landing spot is and where exactly he goes in the draft, because this guy will shoot up draft boards for sure. Oh yeah. So Johnny, our next team here talking about uh, landing spots for wide receivers was Indianapolis. Johnny, what, what were your thoughts on this landing spot? So this one's a little bit interesting here. Uh, I wanted to give Whisper Nation a little deeper dive uh, at a wide receiver and not go with one of the necessarily the top picks here. Uh, a guy that's kind of falling as far as from his stock from January to now, and it, it was due to an, an ankle, inju- ankle injury, uh, and that is a wide receiver Brian Edwards out of South Carolina. This guy is a monster when he plays. He's really, really good. Uh, there was a lot of initial hype uh, about Brian Edwards uh, coming into you know the offseason and, and for fantasy and dynasty because the, the attributes are certainly there. 6'3", 212 pounds. Um, obviously, we don't know what his 40 time or anything like that is because he wasn't able to go to the combine. But you look at what he did into, in college, you know, 15 yards per uh, per reception in his three-year career had you know just over 2400 receiving yards uh for south carolina actually has the most uh receiving yards for any wide receiver uh, in the history of south carolina um what was so interesting travis is that he is one of these guys that is a true game changer in that 
you just try to get him the ball, right? He's a very similar to Curtis Samuel uh, for Cara- uh, for Carolina, right? Like he's just an athlete. You try mm. to get him the ball, and that's the type of wide receiver is. He's a big guy, so he can go up and get it. But he's also super, super talented. So uh, the guy, the player comps that I like are, are I'll bring up Golden Tate again, uh, but also Anquan Bolden, the guy that's a little bit bigger, willing to go over the middle to get uh, these balls, but is also just dominant uh, and can be if he continues to develop he'll he is a little bit raw of course that's why you're going to see him fall uh, but he certainly has the 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 qualities and the, and the things that you like to see of a prospect coming out of college that is going to be going later in the drafts that you might yeah. be able to throw a dart throw at. and i think he's a good fit for a guy that's aging in philip rivers you know you want to be able to possession receiver move the chains i think more Same so than Allen. anything that's why yeah I like he it, you know yeah, he's definitely more of a dynasty pick in my mind because of the, you know, you talked a little bit about the foot injury. It may take him a while to get into the groove yeah. here. And you got Paris Campbell still there on the depth chart trying to make a name for himself, too. Um, so I, I could see that. But I, I do like this pick and I do like the fit if it, if it were to go down. All right. This one. Look, this one's my, my favorite, man. This one has got me completely geeked. So last year, Whisper Nation, if you guys listened I had A.J. Brown as my favorite prospect at the wide receiver position. We hated the the the, the matchup. We hated where he landed. We didn't like Tennessee. We thought it was like going to be – no, and it's not great, but he still balled out, and he still did what he had to do. I, I thought he looked like Juju. I thought he could be a big play slot wide receiver, and he ended up paying off dividends if you took him and trusted him in Dynasty and in redraft. This guy right here, regardless of matchup, is a guy as a prospect that I completely loved. His tape jumped off the fucking page. At, oh, whoa. whoa. Jumped off the page <laughs> at me. That's how good it was. All right. So it's hey, a family show, but hey. I had to get a little no, it's all right. family on it. It's all right. Anyways, Let it out. Um, I, had, I had Baltimore, right? So this was the last one. And this one's interesting because Baltimore's got a ton of weapons. They just drafted Hollywood Brown. But outside Hollywood Brown and Mark Andrews and the tight ends, there was not another guy that, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson could really rely on. Well, I have LaVisca Chenault out of Colorado going here. And LaVisca Chenault, man, oh, if you watch this film, guys, look, he's not going to get a lot of praise because 2019 was an injured season. Okay, it was a little bit of a lost season. But in 2018, especially early on in the year, he was a Heisman candidate. He was a Bolitnikov candidate, and he was doing some very special things. He's got some favorable comps in the industry towards Sammy Watkins. He can be a really raw at times, but he's way versatile. Imagine Baltimore having a guy that played all three wide receiver positions in college, was used in the Wildcat formation, and he scored five rushing touchdowns in 2018 in his major year. He had five rushing touchdowns and at least five wide receiving touchdowns, which means he was the only guy in college to do that. You watch this film, he's popping off the screen. He's got ba- great ball tracking. He takes these bubble screens to the house. He's got to the body to take take on defenders. Uh, he's talented on those 50-50 balls. He's got some injury history for sure, but so did Hollywood Brown, and we saw what Hollywood Brown's stealing could be in this offense. I think he's getting some unfair treatment, similar to DK Metcalf last year, but I think if if some one of these teams, especially Baltimore, takes the chance on Chenault, they could this could pay off in a big way and I, i'm really liking what i saw on the film johnny yeah i mean he definitely is a very very intriguing prospect a lot of people are you know knocking him because he went to colorado but 
Uh, I mean, they had a pretty decent year last year, and I definitely think that this guy has the tangibles uh, to be a very good wide receiver. It's funny because uh, player profiler, you you were talking about how AJ Green was your, or sorry, AJ Brown was your player con or your best uh, call last year. Well, player profiler has his comp as AJ Brown. So, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's very very similar. You got this. You got the Sammy Watkins build, the the AJ Brown build. These big bodied guys, but that can play in the slot or all over the field. Juju yeah. Smith Schuster. I really like what I'm seeing out of him. And it, and this could be just the player that Lamar Jackson needs to take that next step as a passer. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got the deep threat and you've got the underneath with Mark Andrews. Now you just need that guy that can play the other positions. And Chenault looks like a, a stud to me. And what a fit that could be for them. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited to see where he where he ultimately lands. But I, I currently do have him as a top 10 prospect at the wide receiver position, depending on you know, where he does ultimately land. But yeah, uh, and, and what a better place than Baltimore who could really use a guy like him, you know, a big bodied guy that can just, yeah. you know, go and grab it, you know, because Lamar Jackson might not be the most accurate. Um, we'll see if he continues to improve on that. But yeah, give him give him a big body. I think this is what they wanted Boykins to be like this, right? Right, uh, right. And, and he just or even like Snead at the end of his career. You yeah. know, you want well, you Snead is still Snead playing, be... but we all know that it's the end of yeah, his but career. <laughs> <laughs> before it even started. <laughs> You're calling his retirement the year before. Yeah, even, no, I need yeah, him to retire if yeah. Chenault gets drafted by them. For yeah, sure. there you go. But <laughs> um, I, I do like it. I think that it'll be an interesting night. Uh, for, so, you know, Whisper Nation, you're probably listening and you're going, guys. You, you talked about all the wide receiver landing spots and you guys didn't even bring up my boy, Jerry Judy. Like what, what the heck's going on? Why haven't you guys talked about Jerry Judy? And the reason being is because Johnny stumbled across some stuff on Twitter saying that the Denver Broncos might be in the mix to trade and go and get Jerry Judy. And so we both decided to kind of break down Jerry Judy going to a hypothetical Denver situation. Johnny, I'll give you the start on this. Talk about Jerry Judy to Denver. Maybe even talk a little bit about this hypothetical, uh, the rumors going on. Yeah, so basically uh, the reason I've been kind of in in tune with this or or kind of picked up on this was because um, obviously I follow the Cardinals and the Cardinals have the eighth overall draft pick. Now um, they are saying that that's kind of where they would need to be trading up to uh, because there is a fear that the Jets will be uh, in play at the uh, 10th pick uh, for Jerry Judy. And so, or, or sorry, uh, they have the ninth pick, I think. Um, and so they will be in play for Jerry Judy. So in order to get him, they would have to trade up to the eighth position. So uh, that's kind of where I got that whole, uh, you know, theory and, and things like that. That's where the rumor mill came from. Um, but when you're looking at this, like my initial thought was, why would they want to get Jerry Judy, uh, who seems to be portray- or projecting as like an alpha wide receiver one? And we all know, you know, how alpha Cortland Sutton is he basically forced mile uh he, he forced Emmanuel Sanders out of Denver that's how right. that's how alpha Sutton is um but then when you look at Jerry Judy for sure Demarius Thomas I mean he, he uh, for sure forced their hand on Demarius Thomas yeah a hundred percent um and so that there was that concern that like maybe just maybe a Justin Jefferson is a better kind of right. overall pick for them to do they wouldn't have to trade down or, or trade up in order to get him but 
you're looking at the talent. Is there's no question between Jerry Judy and and Jefferson? So I understand why why they would want to do this. But you're looking at yeah. Jerry Judy, who you know four four uh, five forty, so extremely fast, six one one hundred ninety three. Uh, everyone's going to praise his route running uh, because he just is the best that the, that is coming out of con- out of college in a long, long time at running routes. But, you know, which is good for Cortland Sutton. Right. Right. This is good for Cortland Sutton. It would be good, uh, you know, f- for the quarterback play there. Uh, a guy that could instantly come in and make an impact. That's a, kind of what you need. Uh so ultimately, do I think this would be the best fantasy landing spot? Absolutely not. Because if if he's going to go to a team, I'd rather him be the alpha number one where he could slide in and immediately, you know, take up and soak up the most of his targets. But at the same time, he know he knows this kind of thing, right? Right? Like he he's used to this, uh, playing for Alabama, who has, you know, potentially or they have four wide receivers who are going to be all, you know, number one uh or first round uh, picks with this year and next year combined so he's used to being with other alphas he's you know used to dominating even in those sense so uh, mm. I, I just really I do think that this is a good fit uh, I don't know if this is necessarily the best fit for fantasy wise uh, for yeah I think I think it's a great fit football wise you yeah. know I don't know about fantasy football wise but you're definitely hitting on the reasons why I think it's a great fit uh, football wise. And that is because he is, you know, a lot of people think because he's so great at route running that he's going to be this number one. Um, I would actually beg to differ that he needs time to become the number one incumbent and mean, meaning like, look at how Julio Jones's career had to kind of progress. It didn't take him long, but once, you know, he did have to come in behind Roddy white and then become the mega alpha after time. And I think that is something we could see here with Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. And I think their games complement each other so well. Jerry Judy, so versatile at all three levels of the field, which means you can put him anywhere. He really projects to be a better Emmanuel Sanders, which means that you could actually argue that this is what Elway wants because he wants to have the Demarius type, Demarius Thomas type in Cortland Sutton, and then the Emmanuel Sanders type in Jerry Judy. And then, you're you're talking about Drew Locke having two of the best young weapons in the game, um, and that's that's impressive for sure with a good running game that they've built. So if this is the way that Elway wants to do it, knowing that the defense isn't as dominant as it has been in past years, he wants to lean more on the offensive side. I think this is a good way to do it, and I think trading up to get Jerry Judy makes a lot of sense for them here. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Judy's probably not most likely to go to Denver, but we wanted to have a little fun with you and talk about a possibility that could happen, and this would be a good fit uh, for one of those. Because uh, we all know, based on the article I read, Jerry Judy's going to the Packers. <laughs> and going stuff. to the Packers, man. I already know yeah. it. <laughs> but we want to know what you guys think out there, Whisper Nation. What are your, some of your favorite potential landing spots? What are you looking forward to most at the NFL Draft? Smash that like and subscribe and let us know in the comments below. As always, we appreciate you listening. You can head over to thefantasywhispers.com. Check out all of our great content there. That's Johnny Game Time Hicks. I'm your boy, Big Travia. We are the Fantasy Whispers. We are out. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Whisperers podcast. You can hear more from John and Travis on Google Play, SoundCloud, and iTunes. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at TF Whisperers.